Hey everyone, welcome to Sports Dev Series with Boma Ekiyo. Thank you for joining me today. Um, today we're going to talk about a um, country I am, I've been fascinated with for a while and uh, haven't lived in Florida for some time, met several people from this country and just, just a really fascinating group of people and, and the country in itself. And the country we'll be analyzing um, its sports programs and framework is Cuba. A little island south of Miami. Fantastic little place, but I think what they've been able to do is really, really amazing in terms of sort of uh, some of their athletes are some of my favorite athletes in the world today. And um, we'll jump into it. But before we do, I want to thank Arewa Baobab again, our sponsor for the fruit powder. Um, Check it out. Arewabaobab.com. That's A-R-E-W-A-B-A-O-B-A-B.com. And um, place your order. Get a free bag in North America. Okay, so when we think of Cuba, a couple of things jump out on us, right? Like, you, you think Bay of Pigs. You think revolution. You think missile crisis. Right? You think Fidel Castro embargoes um no question cuba has uh has had a really challenging political history with everything that's happened um being close to the united states having an embargo and uh, despite the embargo being able to forge along and have one of the best medical systems in the world um and, and a really great educational program but the one thing sometimes people leave out when they talk about Cuba is sports and how or why this little island nation, um, small island nation at that, has been able to create world-class athletes um, that can compete with anyone. While, by the way, facing an embargo where they can't really trade with any country and um, an extremely challenging situation uh, in a really in a socialist environment so most of the arguments you hear is that you know you need money for sports which you do um, and you really can't run a sports program without the structure we see in most western countries with the capitalist structure of you know, sponsorship or media rights or merchandise sales or ticket sales or the like. Essentially, you can't have a sports program. But what we've seen from the likes of Cuba, uh, I won't won't mention as much as the old Soviet Union, but definitely Cuba, is they've been able to create this system that is not heavily funded but they've been able to develop some of the best athletes we've seen on the planet. So let's let's jump into this. And I think um, in doing this, we just have to understand a little bit about Cuban history and how this entire thing started. I think in 1961, after the revolution, um, the Fidel Castro government created the National Institute of Sport, Physical Education and Recreation. Its acronym is called INDER. 
uh, INDER. And it, it became the governing body for all of sport and recreation in Cuba. Uh, it, of course, has many programs, including you know, the National Institute for Sports Medicine. They have a national coaches program and they have a National Institute for Physical Education. Um, and they developed all this um, during a period from 1960 to 1990, where I guess they had a strong period because of the close ties with the Soviet Union before the Soviet Union collapsed. Um, under INDER, they have a sub-organization called EID, and I hope I'm not butchering this, but it's E-I-D-E, which is uh, a program that is geared towards finding the naturally talented young adults in Cuba and then getting them into these sports-specific secondary schools. Um, and in my assumption of Cuba's secondary school system is the same as what I went through in Nigeria, then it would be from grade um, grade 7 through 12, if I'm not mistaken. So that, that would be the equivalent. Um, and, and all these secondary schools and, and I guess primary schools in Cuba teach sports and physical education as a compulsory subject. So everyone has to participate. And they focus on track and field, basketball, baseball, gymnastics, and volleyball. The, the students who excel at certain sports are then uh, asked to compete in the Cuban Summer Junior Olympics, which is where this organization called EID uh, sees the talent and recruits them into specialized schools, kind of like academies similar to uh, Prefontaine in, in France, where they cater to just the sport that they've excelled in. Now they go to these places, which I believe <clears throat> from what I've seen is uh, located in a, a place called the Isle of Youth in Cuba, which is a 2200 square kilometer island. Um, and it has more than 27 of those schools. Uh, each one has about 600 kids that attend. And the school is a semi boarding school, which essentially means kids come in Sunday evening and they leave every Friday evening <clears throat> and they're spread across the island. So they go in and they get trained on the particular sport, developed heavily uh, from Sunday to Friday. And this was, so I found this really interesting. They, they're required to spend an additional three hours of work a day picking or canning fruit, which I guess is also used as revenue to, to sponsor the program. Um, and it's fascinating because these kids attend this program, they go through the entire thing and they come out being ready to participate in the Olympics or whatever kind of sport they end up in. And as history has shown us, you know, they've won, Cuba has won several Olympics in Pan Am games and in the Olympics for that matter, in a number of different sports. But we'll, we'll kind of get into that a little bit some more. Um, I think, one of the interesting things about the Cuban sports system is that from from the years of 1960 to 1990, a lot of the funding was tied to the Soviets and they got their money and were able to sponsor a lot of these programs. But from 1990 to 2000, um, 
the Soviet Union kind of fell, so a lot of that funding was choked out. Um, they had to rely on coming up with creative ways to fund their programs. And one of the things they did that I found interesting was Cuba was able to uh, create a system where their coaches uh, or their athletes who had um, kind of would retire early and then take up positions or jobs in other countries that wanted to hire them, um, they would earn a large salary and then 80% of that salary would be paid back into the Cuban to the Cuban government, which of course would go back to the sports system and they would keep 20%. Now this 20% they kept, you know, was, um, which is interesting, was more money than they'd ever seen in Cuba because obviously they didn't get paid a lot of money in Cuba. Um, but they used this system, which was interesting, to finance their sports and um, it, it kind of worked for them because at the time Castro had abolished any professional sport in Cuba uh, at the beginning of the revolution. But it was it was um, it was interesting because this was able to help finance um, finance the programs during that period and help keep it alive. Um, but what's also interesting is by the year two thousand and seven. There were 50 nations around the world that employed several hundred Cuban sports trainers and coaches. 50 nations around the world did that by the year 2007. Now, I don't know if um, all these coaches players got paid and it was through the government and they had to do an 80% kickback, but clearly the entire world took notice of what this country was doing. Another interesting part is the programs that are run in Cuba with limited funding obviously aren't this state-of-the-art spectacles um, funded with hundreds of millions of dollars you know to try to develop athletes very different they're very modest in some cases uh, some of these places lack electricity uh, or electricity is very sporadic and they are able to focus on the sport and develop a lot of athletes and here's why that's important um you hear the argument that a lot of economically challenged countries don't have the money for sport you hear a lot of that you also hear um because their coaches aren't paid they can't really invest in sport they can't really you know develop their athletes um they don't have a strong league by the way, it's important to mention that Fidel Castro also abolished professional leagues. I think I mentioned that. Yeah, so most of these countries, you hear this argument, and I think what the Cuban model and the success of the Cuban sports programs has done is it's kind of thrown that out of the window in the sense that most of these countries you hear that make this argument about the lack of funds, so therefore they don't have a strong sporting program, don't have an embargo. So Cuba has lack of funds and an embargo and is still producing the sort of athletes that we've seen so it, it sends a message that I guess yes you need money and the more money you have the more you can create with a sports program the more avenues you can create the, the better facilities the better equipment but on the contrary 
sometimes if you don't have as much money but the fundamentals of what is needed to develop the program in this case it would be the right coaches teaching the right fundamentals to the right sort of athletes you could still create world beaters and beat countries that invest hundreds of millions of dollars into programs and that's what I think this Cuban model has been able to show and um it's very interesting because they've definitely been very successful in doing this and um, the countries that don't have funds that haven't been you know as successful on the global stage I don't believe they can make that argument anymore looking at what uh, the Cubans were able to do or have been able to do and just to put it into perspective some of Cubans successes uh, include you know clearly baseball um, 60% of Cubans play baseball and it's known as the official sport in Cuba and anyone who watches Major League Baseball in the United States understands the talent that comes out of Cuba and the Cubans that have played in the US what they've been able to accomplish who by the way these players were trained and developed in Cuba uh, basketball uh, is a growing sport in Cuba uh, it's also one of the top sports but not as a popular as baseball or boxing um, but interestingly I think the Cuban national team in 1972 Summer Olympics won a bronze medal um, after beating Italy in its final match I think you know there are countries who've played basketball longer with way more resources that haven't even won a medal till date um, boxing goodness this could be talk about Cuban boxing could be a podcast on its own I think Cuba boxing is one of the is definitely outside of maybe baseball maybe the most popular sport in the country um, it's 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 ridiculous the amount of boxers you've seen just putting pers- perspective anyone that's a boxing fan knows of you know Guillermo Rigandao or Eris Landilara or Luis Ortiz or I mean these are all key names in boxing and you know um, you know ridiculous exceptional fighters um, Udenis Ugas who's a champion now in the welterweight division is another guy um, and I think when you look at the Cuban landscape and what they've been able to do with boxing it's not by accident you know, uh, for instance they have 494 boxing coaches 185 facilities and of the 99,000 athletes in Cuba, about 19,000 um, are boxers, you know, um, including quite a number that are of Olympic competence, but then only 12 make the Olympic team. So you can imagine the level of competition that someone has to go through to make the Olympic team to represent Cuba and how good that athlete has to be um, but yeah that's that's what they're able to do so you know wrestling is also a big sport where they've garnered a lot of medals and been successful in several events um, you know uh, some believe that Cuba has by far the strongest Greco-Roman wrestling team in the Western Hemisphere and is you know, um, they've captured championships numerous times at the Pan American Wrestling Championships. 
the Pan American Games, the Central and Caribbean American Games, uh, and then, you know, supposedly freestyle wrestling, Cuban freestyle wrestling in its achievements is only second to the United States. So, as we can see here, it's clear that um, I think the, the world can learn a good lesson um, from Cuba and what they've been able to accomplish. Um, the one other thing that I think the Cuban program has been able to do that's fascinating is, you know, for instance, in 2011, there were 600 Cuban coaches and trainers operating in 100 countries, right? Uh, they've also invited athletes from other countries to the island for free. And then once they arrive, they're allowed to take part in high-level training as well as intensive Spanish lessons, which I thought was interesting because why why do they have to speak Spanish? But anyways, um, but a lot of coaches and athletes go there to get trained. Um, they do a great job. They're exporting coaches out of Cuba to different countries. Um, they have limited resources, limited facilities, but they maximize what they do have and are able to really churn out these really exceptional athletes who are being you know look heavily recruited by top flight leagues such as the major league baseball in the united states um or or professional boxing also in the united states so you see clearly that they they figured it out and they've been able to find something that works for them in the midst of all the challenges political and economic that they have um definitely want to watch because it'll be a scary prospect to think what would happen if cuba was able to somehow get that embargo lifted and have a strong uh, economy behind behind their sports programs who knows maybe nothing would happen maybe everything would be so free that um this discipline that's been formed for athletes to succeed in these programs will be lost. One doesn't know. But definitely, uh, I think they've accomplished a lot and credit, credit to them and what they've been able to do. Okay, well, thanks for joining me today. Wanted to highlight Cuba and its accomplishments. And I think uh, a country worth watching. And um, join us again next time. We'll either have a guest on or we'll travel to another part of the world to talk about sports and development. All right. Take care. Love you guys. Bye.